Welcome to the serialized audiobook of Title Fight, Season 2 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Title Fight is also available as an ebook and as an ad free, unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit slash title fight. When you're the personal physician of the heavyweight champion of the galaxy, you get a few perks. Not a lot of perks, because there is only so much luxury available in the single high-pressure gas facility in Ionath City, a 50-story cylinder set right downtown near the football stadium. Still, being able to afford the best hurrah-specific accommodations the city had to offer made Doc Bata's few hours of downtime quite enjoyable. His room was on the top ring, with all the trappings of luxury. Most rooms were just a bubble. For the occupants to conduct business with any of the groundling species, they had to leave their room and go to a common area. Doc's room, on the other hand, came complete with an airlock antechamber so that he could receive groundling visitors. That made it convenient when Timmy McMurphy wanted to come talk shop. All the boy ever wanted to do was talk shop, talk about ways of making Korak the Cutter faster, stronger, more resilient. Timmy, it seemed, had no hobbies. But there was no shop talk now, just the pure release of air sliding across his hide. There was a certain irony in working for one of the best-conditioned athletes in the galaxy and having almost no time to work out himself. So when Doc got a chance to fly, not hover, he relished it. Doc Batak climbed, shooting straight up the cylinder's hollow center. He passed some old ones, and some young ones passed him. That was the way of things. A young one, just past adolescence perhaps, came up from his right, angled across his back, then cut down and under, passing beneath his belly. The adolescent's wing flaps rippled with solid muscle, firm cartilage, and a taut hide. Doc Pata had just been looped. All right, youngster, let's see what you've got. Doc broke left and abandoned the straight climb, the move taking him level with the ground far below. The adolescent matched the move, only losing a few meters of proximity. Good reactions, but Doc wasn't finished testing the lad just yet. He fainted upright, then bent his body and went into a power dive. Air whipped across his skin in flat-out, glorious speed. He sensed the youth staying with him. Doc's feint had gained him a few more meters of space, but the youth's speed was already eating that up. Doc dipped under an elderly couple, then pulled up hard and shot between them. Something in his right wing flap twinged, shooting pain all down his flank. He tucked, protecting the area, and felt a tap on his back. Tag, you're it. The youth had caught him. Doc hovered, stingray-shaped bodies whizzing by on all sides and in all directions. The youth did a vertical loop while barrel-rolling the whole way through, probably the kid's signature victory dance, then flew off looking for a new playmate. Doc did the hurrah equivalent of a heavy sigh. Splitting through the old couple would have worked, but he'd pulled a muscle of all things. Just another reminder that he wasn't a youth anymore, 
and was far closer to the leisurely flight of the elderly couple than he was the jet-burned joy of the youthful stranger. That was enough workout time for one day. Doc flew up in a slow, straight line, his path making it easy for the hurrah whipping about the cylinder chamber to avoid him. He reached the top ring. One odd thing about all sentience, your station in life is reflected by your hotel floor. He tapped the iris to his room airlock, watched it open, then slid inside. He tapped the inside iris but had to wait as the gas changed and the pressure dropped to match that inside his room which meant he had visitors. The iris opened, and Doc Batah floated inside. Waiting for him, a small, blackbird, jewelry-encrusted quith leader sitting in a chair. The chair was only there for non-hurrah company, and the leader had helped himself. A quith warrior stood on either side of him. They looked like they'd recently been in a fight. A fight they hadn't won. Dr. Batah, the leader said. I've been waiting for you. Doc hovered. Whoever they were, they had connections. They didn't let just anyone on the top floor, and they certainly didn't let no names into someone's room. I see, Doc said, his voice emitting from the box strapped to his back. And to whom do I have the pleasure of speaking? Greedock, the Splithead, the leader said. Oh, the crime lord of Ionath City. Doc had assumed Greedock would try and get his petty palps into Korak's next fight. That's what crime lords did. But Doc had never expected to be the focal point of such a visit. He was just the ring doctor. I may not be fully familiar with the cultural subtleties of INS City, your organization, or your regional and tribal specifics, Doc said. So allow me to state, quite clearly and for the record, that I realize you are a sentient to be respected, and if I should accidentally offend you... It is in no way intended. Greedock's antenna twitched. Did you just preemptively apologize for any possible sign of disrespect? Yes, Doc said. Greedock looked up at the warrior on his left. Did you hear that, Virak? That is how to react intelligently to an unknown situation. Only if you like to cower and grovel, Virak said. Did I ask you to speak? No, Shamakaf. You did not ask me to speak. Then do not do so. Yes, Shamakath. Greedock turned his attention back to Doc. The leader just stared with that one softball-sized eye. Doc realized his hide was still sweating, even though the room's low temperature should have already cooled him off. I'm sure you have a very good reason for being in my private room, Greedock. I know you are a busy individual, and I would not wish to waste your time. So if you'd like to tell me what I can do for you, I will do my best to oblige. Greedock again turned to Virak. Did you hear that? What do you think he just said? Virak looked down at Greedock. Do you want me to speak this time? Please. I think he just said in a very polite way, what the shuck do you want? Greedock again turned his attention on Doc. Is that what you just said to me, Doctor? Did you just say... What the shuck do you want to me? This was not going well. Doc was in trouble, and he knew it. How fortunate, Greedock said, that you apologized in advance. But you are right, Doctor. I have let myself in, so let me get down to business. 
I had my associates do some research on you. Doc felt a quick stab of fear. But no, there was no way Greedock could know. And what did you find out about me? I'm afraid I'm a rather boring individual. That's what I thought, too, Greedock said. So imagine my surprise when I discovered that you are the most wanted sentient on the planet Yara. Doc stopped flapping. No, he simply could not know. I don't know what you're talking about. Doctor, please. I'm not one of the punch-stupid sentients that you choose to associate with. I can't actually pronounce your real name, but I had an associate do it for me just so I could be sure. Greedock extended his left petty pelt. He held a small piece of plastic, which he pressed, and Doc Bata heard the hissing syllables of a name he'd long thought dead. How could Greedock have discovered this? How? Doc had changed his pigmentation, had his scent glands genetically modified, even had extra cartilage ridges implanted to change his silhouette. No one could recognize him. Doc Batal realized he had stopped flapping, realized he was just floating up slightly. He adjusted his buoyancy, let his skin ripple a bit to maintain a fixed hover. And once I found out who you were, further investigation revealed that the warlord Yashahan has been after you for some time. And from what I understand, she is a rather mean-spirited individual. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. 
And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Redoc, I have done nothing to offend you, Doc said. Nothing to cross you, but please... You don't understand what she would do to me. Oh, but I do. She will send a Skinner after you. A Skinner. The word sounded bad enough in the native hurrah tongue, but from a groundling, it sounded far more brutal, more crude. And yes, Doctor, I know what a Skinner is. A hurrah. Probably a bit larger, faster, and stronger than you, will punch a spike through your lower nerve column, paralyzing your wings. He talked so calmly, like it was nothing more than a game or a play. But Doc Bata had seen such things, had even done it himself once to settle a family score. He remembered the way his enemy had twitched and spasmed when he drove the spike in, remembered how satisfying it had been to see his enemy just float, unable to fly. Then she will take a flaying hook and start scraping off strips of your hide. All of his past was coming back to haunt him. Not just the war, the battle, Yashahone's son, but way back to his adolescence. Doc Patah remembered the feel of the flaying hook sliding down his enemy's body. The smell of the blood, the hissing screams. He'd been lost in the bloodlust, and at that moment, really worked it good and slow because the others had always admired his steady tentacles. It was only after, when Doc came out of the combat rage, that he'd realized what he had done to another sentient creature. That act of his youth had turned his life around, drove him into medical school. His barbaric act had turned him into a life-saving doctor. It can get worse, Greedock said. I understand the more brutal individuals will make you eat those strips of hide. Greedock, please, Doc said. I'm sure we can work something out. My only chance of staying alive is that Yashahone doesn't know who I am now or where I am. Of course she does, because I told her. Doc Patah felt heat blossom up in his air chambers. He was doomed. Why? Why would you do that? We in the crime world have a certain camaraderie. If someone's drug-addled hands, oh, my apologies, drug-addled tentacles, caused the death of my offspring, I would want to be alerted to this sentient's location. So once I found out who you were, I made a call. Several systems away, you should know. It was a very expensive call. But I was not doing drugs. It was a battle. We were hit. I did everything I could. I was wounded. I had a collapsed buoyancy chamber. I had to operate from the ground like an animal. 
Doc Bata wrapped a tentacle against the front right quarter of his flat body. A hurrah would have heard the noise it made, heard the ultrasonic ping made by an artificial chamber lining. But he was talking to ground creatures, and all they heard was the flap, flap, flap of tentacle muscle against cartilage ridge. Belief is a prerequisite of accepting fact, Greedock said. What happened doesn't really matter. What she believes happened does. And you know this, Doctor, or you would still be on your eye. Still be a surgeon there. But you ran. Which means you know what Yashahan believes. And since she believes that you were under the influence when her son died, that makes it the same thing as fact. Doc tried to stay calm. Tried to think. Greedock was here. Not a Skinner. At least, not yet. What do you want, Greedock? I want two things. Greedock said. First, you will fix up Chodo the Bright's leg, and you had best be doing your top-level work, tribal surgeon Shapata, because the Tier 1 season is coming up and the Krakens need their starting outside linebacker. Doc Patel looked at the leg. The knee was broken, bleeding. Chodo had strapped what looked like a broken chair leg to it, wrapped it with duct tape. Must have hurt horribly, but he was a quith warrior and a combat veteran, judging by his enamels, and he was an enforcer for Greedock the Splithead. All of those things together meant he was tougher than battleship rivets. But he's old, Doc said, the words emitting from his voice box before he could control them. I, I'm not sure I can repair it. His natural healing ability is compromised by age. I could show you how age impacts me, Chodo said. Chodo, did I ask you to speak? Greedock said. No, Shamakath. You did not ask me to speak. Then do not. And you, Doctor, please dismiss the illusion that you have a choice. Now that I know who you are, and know of your renowned skill, you can, and will, fix him up as good as new. The knee looked bad, but maybe not impossible. Doc fixed far worse on a daily basis, but that was with the benefit of implants and body mods. Chodo played in the GFL, which meant he couldn't have those things. Oddly, it would be a chance to perform classic surgery, the challenge of repairing pure biological material. I will fix him, Doc said. How did he injure it? We had a discussion with Kyle North. It did not go as well as I had expected. For the second time in as many minutes, Doc Patah stopped flapping. He felt the situation slipping away. By the looks of the clotting around that knee, the talk had happened less than an hour ago. Greedock had talked to the heretic, then come right here. The heretic, the killing machine that had called out Korak the Cutter. Doc knew a game was already in play, and that he was just a piece about to be moved. Which brings us to the second thing that I want. I want you to put a particular body modification in your fighter, and he cannot know that it is there. I won't do it. Don't you even want to know what the modification is? It matters not, Doc said. I am in Korak's camp. I am his physician. You cannot ask me to hurt him or compromise his ability to fight. You might want to take your own advice, Greedock said. Korak the Cutter is old. He has maybe one good fight left, 
and since that fight will be against the heretic, it will not end well. Then why do you need me to do this? Because unlike your distant enemy, I choose to put fact before belief. Fact makes money. If I have all the facts, then I know how to profit. Greedock, please, please. I can fix your linebacker, but I will not do what you ask. I will not modify Korak without his knowledge. Greedock's clear eye flooded black. Very well. If I do not profit from an association with you, I will profit from my newfound association with the warlord Yashahon. Chodo, bring in Yashahon's emissary. Chodo limped to the room's outer airlock door, the one that led to the hallway. He opened the door, and a hurrah quietly flew in. Not just a hurrah, a skinner. She was big, thick, and solid. When she said his name, she didn't need a recorder. It was the first time in twenty years he'd heard his real name spoken from another living mouth. She spoke to him in the hissing, low-frequency language of their species. I'm lucky I was in Ionath City taking care of other business, she said. I get a very large payment for taking care of you. Yashahon wants me to skin you slowly. I hope you are not shy about having your picture taken, because she asked me to record everything. I get a bonus, if you beg. The Skinner reached her left tentacle into her backpack. She pulled out a black handle with a blue chain. The chain rattled as it came out, one end still connected to something inside the backpack, something Doc knew only too well. The short chain pulled taut. That something slid from the backpack and dropped, bounced once at the bottom of the chain's length, then swung slightly, spinning just a bit. A flaying hook. The chain connected to a swivel joint attached to a thin, curved piece of metal. At the bottom of that half circle, a straight piece of that same metal running from end to end. Small, razor-sharp, undulating curves lined all the edges, the half-circle part, and the flat. The Skinner would lay that device against Doc's body, then pull the chain taut until the flaying hook slid across the skin. The undulating edges would catch, dig in, slide under the skin, and continue down the body. When done with skill and precision, you could peel off a three-inch wide swath of hide that ran four feet in length, from the eye spots all the way down to the tail. Doc had seen a movie once where a hurrah had explained a flaying hook to the human hero who had just been captured, describing it as a potato peeler for the skin. Her other tentacle reached back and came out with a barbed spike. That tool was meant for the back of his head. She would drive the point in at an angle until it split his nervous column, making his wings still and rigid. He would not be able to move, but he would feel everything. Doc Batak could not speak. If he had died back on Yura or in the battle, that would have been one thing. But to have fled across the galaxy, to have started a new life, only to have that life taken away in a long, slow, agonizing death, that was far worse. Worse 
because it just wasn't fair. Doc's tentacle shot into his own backpack and came out with a pair of scalpels. She was faster, bigger, stronger, younger, but he'd been bored a Sahana. He'd been bred a Sahana, and he'd go out fighting like a Sahana. She floated upward, her body vibrating with pleasure and anticipation. Vyrak, Greedock said. Vyrak reached into his waistband and pulled out a revolver. The Skinner instantly realized she'd been tricked, turned and flew at him so fast Doc couldn't even track the motion. The revolver fired twice. Bullets tore through her body, misting in the air with the yellow gas that escaped her punctured air bladder. The flaying hook and chain rattled when they hit the floor. The Skinner dropped to the ground, flopping, flapping, hissing with pain. Doctor, Greedock said, since you have your tools out, would you like to finish her? No, he would not. He wanted nothing to do with this. He stayed silent. Fine, Greedock said. Vyrak? The linebacker lowered his revolver, aimed between the eye spots, and fired twice more. The Skinner stopped moving. Interesting, Greedock said. It looks like I saved your life. Warlord Yashon doesn't know where you are exactly. She also doesn't know who you are exactly, doesn't know your adopted identity. She just knows that I found you on Ineth City and offered to give your location to her employee. Now that said employee is deceased, Yashahone is going to invest resources in finding you, Doctor. So in addition to owing me for saving you, you also require my protection. There was no point in arguing that Greedock was the reason Doc was in danger. Greedock had delivered a message as clearly, as viscerally, as one could be delivered. All right, Doc said. I will do what you ask. Of course you will, Greedock said. Interesting that you ever thought you had a choice. You have been listening to Title Fight, Season 2 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Produced by Ariat Morningstar, with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon. Superweaponband.com Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. 
on a remote island in Lake Superior. A team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler, with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.